What's up, Lamb Fam? Welcome back to the Life After Miscarriage podcast, where we unapologetically chat the ins and outs of what life is actually like after miscarriage. I'm your host, Shelly Metling. With four angel babies myself and two rainbow babies here on earth, I have created a platform for you guys to share your stories. So sit back, relax, get ready to relate, laugh, and cry as we get real on what life is actually like after miscarriage in the 21st century. And before we begin, huge shout out to the Radis fam on the internet the lamb fam for supporting the sponsors who support our show so we can continue to provide this weekly for free hey guys today's episode is brought to you by better help whose mission is to make professional counseling accessible affordable and convenient so anyone who struggles with life's challenges can get help anytime anywhere and they offered us life after miscarriage gals guys and our couples 10 percent off their first month when using the link betterhelp.com lam now let's get into today's episode Hello, everyone. We have Sarah and Cody Johnson on today's episode. I am so excited. We have never had both husband and wife together. Are you guys husband and wife? I guess I should have probably asked. Yes. We are husband and wife. (laughs) (laughs) They're not married. That's okay. And I just (laughs) probably should have asked. But Sarah and Cody Johnson on today's episode. And it's going to be so fun to just kind of hear both perspectives. So you guys, I'm just going to toss it at you. Start wherever you would like with your story. Awesome. Well, first of all, thank you so much for this platform. Um, Listening to these stories was really helpful, kind of as we were processing through our miscarriage and validating our feelings and then also just giving me an idea of what to expect. (laughs) Um, So I just think this is really awesome and I'm excited to share our story here on this platform. but to back up a little bit and kind of give a little backstory on us. So my name is Sarah. And my name is Cody. <laughs> um, and yes, we're married. And we actually met um, in the ninth grade in 2005 at 14 years old. <laughs> um, very cliche, I know. We started dating um, in 2006 when we were 15. And we never really broke up. Yeah, been together ever since. So <laughs> we kind of uh, grew up together. Um, uh, and, you know, it's been fun. We always say that we have seen so many different versions of each other, you know, from teenagers learning how to drive to going to college to getting married. So it's been really fun. Um, kind of attached to the hip hip now, but that's fine <laughs> because we uh, got married in 2015. Um, and We also kind of always say that we, you know, knew that we wanted a family one day eventually, um, but it was never really something that we had outright planned at, you know, year two or three after marriage or after we met a certain financial goal, you know, this is what we're going to do. It never, it just, I don't know, it seemed like whenever we brought it up to each other, it just never felt right. In the yeah, we, yeah, we'd have moments where we, you know, just kind of talked about it for fun or just imagined what it would be like, but we never really felt like, you know, okay, now it's the time. Um, and honestly, we just, we dated all throughout high school where our dates consisted of, of hanging out with our parents in the living room. So we wanted to, you know, just be selfish and, you know, enjoy married life together and, you know, just do cool stuff together. So 
um, it never really felt like the right time, um, at least early on in our marriage. So we kind of spent the next couple years being super selfish and traveling um, and, you know, taking career risk. And we moved to a couple different cities um, and we just kind of felt like once it was time, you know, to have a family or once we were ready, like we would just kind of know. Um, and that's kind of what happened. You know, we're just kind of living and vibing with life. And then, I don't know, in 2019, um, all of a sudden it just felt like something was, was missing or we were ready to add, you know, something to our life in some way. Yeah. And, um, you know, when we decided to take that step, you know, we, at least I'm the type of person that always researches, every, you know, when we go on a vacation, I look at all the reviews and research it and want to know what to expect. So leading into TTC, I did the same thing and little did we know we had no idea what was to come, but you know, we thought, Oh, okay. You know, 90% of couples conceive in a year, you know, it's probably going to happen quick. Oh, you know, are we sure we're ready now? Cause it was August, 2019 and we still, you know, we're renting, we hadn't bought a house yet. So we were thinking, Oh man, if we get, you know, pregnant the first month or two, what are we going to do with our lease? And little did we know that wasn't going to be a problem. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Because in 2019, I went off my birth control and we started trying to get pregnant. Um, And, you know, kind of like Cody mentioned, we were doing so much research early on and weren't really putting a lot of thought into things, just thinking, you know, um, whenever this is is meant to happen, it's going to happen. And (laughs) I remember reading online about, you know, um, women taking ovulation predictor kits and tracking their temperatures every day just to pin down a fertile window and doing all these things to optimize their fertility. And I remember telling you that I didn't want to become one of these crazy people (laughs) Um, that was so hyper-focused on this process, which is just funny because we were just very presumptuous early on um, because Months and months went by and we saw no positive pregnancy test at all. Um, I eventually started becoming the crazy person taking temperatures and doing OPKs. And we found through that that um, it seemed like I was not ovulating at all. And so we continue on, you know, thinking just one day, one month, we're just going to get it right or something. And, um, one thing leads to another and I'm back in my doctor's office this past June, who tells me that it's probably time to go see a reproductive endocrinologist. Um, because at this point it had been almost a year and we had not seen a rumor of a positive pregnancy test or even a positive ovulation test at this point. And so we kind of started that process. And I'll say too, that was sort of a turning point because when, you know, you came home and told me, wow, they're referring us to a reproductive endocrinologist. I was like, wow, you know, that was kind of the first step of accepting we're not the normal couple that just tries and, you know, after a few months it works. Yeah. Um, You know, and so that was one of those moments of, wow, okay, you know, this is going to be a little bit different of a journey than we expected. Yes, we started to really have to temper our expectations after that point. Um, And so we met with our reproductive endocrinologist in July, and it was determined, um, although all of our testing really looked great, all my blood work was great. And I'll say that was one of those, it, it was kind of a good moment too, because it was some of the things that I had to do to help with the process, because the whole time it was 
you know, Sarah was taking the OPK, Sarah was taking the pregnancy test and, you know, I would show up for fertile week and do my thing. Um, <laughs> but you know, now it was, okay, we're going to test you and you're going to have to do some tests. And it was, you know, it was almost exciting for me because I was like, well, at least I get to kind of help in this process a little bit. And I'm not just, you know, standing on the sideline while Sarah goes through everything, but we went through our testing and, you know, thankfully everything, like Sarah said, was good. <laughs> was fine. Um, but our doctor did tell us that it seemed like I was barely ovulating, if at all, which would 100% explain our issues. And so um, in August, we started our first um, medicated cycle to try to get me to ovulate so that we can actually, you know, have a chance in hell that this would work, um, which getting to that point was frustrating and kind of freeing too, just because I felt like, okay, well, we've had all this, you know, heartache for the last year and felt like, you know, things weren't going right. And it turns out we didn't even have a chance at all. <laughs> yeah. And that was such a, um, you know, it just kind of was tough to fully comprehend because we had tried for a year and you know all these months of disappointments negative tests getting hopeful um you know and you look back on it and you think wow it, it was literally never going to happen but on the other side it was wow we may finally have an answer um which was very exciting yes um and so yeah so we started our first medicated cycle in august um, I was put on a five-day course of Clomid to kind of help optimize um, the chances of ovulation. And then um, I went in for an ultrasound kind of around when ovulation would happen. And they told me everything looks good. And so then I was sent home with Ovidrel, which is an injection to um, pretty much force ovulation to happen. So at, at that point, it was going to be kind of a guarantee. And we were excited. It felt like, wow, we kind of finally have a chance. And um, yeah, for the first time in a in a long time, we felt like we had answers. Yes, and had a chance. And you know, uh, the doctor tempered our expectations. Said, you know, on average, eighty percent of women get pregnant within three months. Probably not going to happen the first month. Um, but let's just, you know, let's take it and see what happens. And you know that night we, you took the Avadrel trigger shot. We were playing Motown in our kitchen, took a video, um, wanted to look back on it if it was the month. But I remember in the video, we both filmed each other and, you know, we asked each other, what do you think? You know, what's your prediction? And we both said, Oh, it's not going to happen this month. It's going to take a while. I think we had been so <laughs> beaten down by that <laughs> point that we, we just knew, you know, this is going to, take some time but the treatments and our doctor kind of renewed our excitement in the process because we had pretty much just I mean given up at, at mm -hmm. the point that we were at and just felt like we were just on this long monotonous unproductive journey mm -hmm. and now it you know it was new and different exciting and and we just it just felt possible <laughs> um however Two weeks later, when I got a positive pregnancy test, we were in complete and total shock. Yeah, we, we could not believe it. I mean, and, um, you know, we got the positive test and then, uh, of course, took 
probably 30 more <laughs> tests over the next two weeks and zero chill with testing. <laughs> yeah. Just, you know, looking at our line progression, how does everything look, you know, going to Google and Reddit and looking up, you know, what should it look like at 15 DPO 16? I mean, just absolutely going crazy with it. And it took a while for it to really sink in. Yes. The first few days, uh, I've just walked around the house saying this, this is not happening. This is not real. I, I, I didn't feel pregnant super early on. And so that made it easier to believe that it wasn't real. And I've, I just thought after all this time, there's no way a, this has happened and B this has happened on our first medicated cycle when we had just kind of accepted that this, we were kind of in this for the long haul. Um, Cause that had kind of been our experience so far. And then you called the reproductive endocrinologist's mm-hmm. office and they said, okay, you know, and, I think it was three and a half weeks or so, you know, you're going to come in for a viability scan. Um, you should be about six and a half weeks and we'll just make sure everything looks good and go from there. And, you know, they told us September 16th. So that date felt forever away. And we were both thinking, Oh my gosh, how are we ever going to make it that long? And at least me is from a guy's perspective, I never realized how much of pregnancy and early pregnancy is just, sitting around like you know the doctor can't do anything you're just sitting and waiting and especially in that time period you know you don't know you have no insight as to you know is the baby growing on you know or is everything as it should you have no idea so it really is just the unknown and for me somebody that just researches everything and wants to know everything it was so tough just to let go and trust the process and just trust that your body is doing what it should do yes and we have been tracking all the things for so mm-hmm. long and then you know intervening with medicines for so long and just waiting and waiting and testing and it really was so hard to just breathe and let go and wait Um, but eventually we started to get kind of confident and excited, um, downloaded all the apps and which made the days go by even slower because every day there was an update with the little app and you would read the little update and then wait for the next day. And every day just felt like a year Mm -hmm. long because we were waiting for that scan. Um, I, uh, I would get like kind of randomly, lightly, I called them queezers, Um, queasy, (laughs) but never really outright nauseous. I was having um, not food aversions, but just a really strong smell of foods. The grocery store stunk to me. I couldn't stand walk around in the grocery store. Um, Super, super sore boobs. And so I was finally starting to feel it. And, you know, we were getting positive test because I'm still testing because I'm crazy at this point. Um, and I'm feeling pregnant and we're excited and we've accepted that this is going to happen for us. Um, but given just everything that we've been through, and I think everybody kind of has to find their comfort level with telling people at whatever time point they, you know, want to share that news with others. Um, we still felt like this news was a little close to the chest with everything that we kind of gone through. Um, but right before six weeks, we ended up telling our two best friends and they were super excited for us. And then, um, we bought a onesie online and we made plans to tell our parents, we felt like if we see the scan and everything looks great, then we'll feel confident enough to kind of tell them, you know, once we see a heartbeat and, and this feels more real to us. 
um, afterwards. So we plan to tell my parents, I think the weekend after. Yeah, because our appointment was on a Wednesday and we had already set up to where they were going to come see us that weekend. So, um, you know, we, and, and I had, you know, looked at all the statistics, you know, miscarriage statistics and, you know, one in four and the further along, you know, once you get to the viability scan, your percentage of a miscarriage goes down to a certain percent. And it was so easy to get lost in those numbers. And I thought it would give me peace, but it absolutely did not. (laughs) Um, But yeah, we went into the viability scan. Yeah. So um, I'm actually a nurse and our reproductive endocrinologist office is in the hospital that I worked at or work at. And so we, which this is, was such a bad de- idea retrospectively, but um, I went to work as planned that morning. The scam was around nine o'clock in the morning. So I said, um, just meet me at the hospital and we'll go in together. And and thankfully with COVID, they had just changed their protocols with COVID to where just for the viability scan, the partner could go back wearing a mask, obviously. Oh yeah. That's a good thing to mention. We were very thankful with that. Um, you know, that was the only scan that a partner was allowed to go to. So I was so excited to be able to go. Cause we, I felt like with COVID and everything going on, we, we had kind of, you know, been like, okay, they're probably not going to let us let you come to anything. But, um, when we made the appointment, they said, yeah, partners can come. We just started this a week ago and we were so excited. Anyways. Um, so I went to work. He met me at the, um, doctor's office at nine o'clock and then everything after that feels such a blur but so clear at the same time like do you remember we walked up to the desk to check in and the lady checked us in and she was smiling at us and she um looked at me and like saw why we were there and she said oh aren't you so excited that he can be here motioning to Cody and we're just you know laughing and talking oh yeah you know so excited um and we went back into the room, which um, was next door to the room that I was just in for my ultrasound for medication just weeks before, um, and sat down and kind of got ready. And um, we were just sitting there talking to each other. Um, we filmed a little video just kind of talking about how excited we were. And... Um, waited for the doctor to come in and then we you know I mean we were excited but we weren't ignorant to yeah it was, it was very nervous excitement and you know we've said so many times there's not many moments in your life where you go into a room and you're either going to leave with the highest of highs you know hearing your baby's heartbeat for the first time or the lowest of lows which is hearing the news that you have lost your child and it was such a just emotional roller coaster Mm -hmm. and going into that room we both understood you know there's a possibility that that there's a possibility that would happen and what was at stake and you're just so vulnerable and we're just you know I'm sitting in the chair we're holding your hand you're laying there and you know the doctor Mm -hmm. turns the screen on and um starts the ultrasound and we couldn't really see anything um we had kind of (laughs) looked up pictures of six week or i guess it was like six and a half by that point ultrasounds on youtube again being really extra and crazy before and i 
you know, thought in the back of my mind that didn't really look like the ones that I had seen. Um, but you know, you still didn't say anything. I, I, I don't think your brain lets you process something like this as it's happening. And so we're sitting there looking, um, and you know, she says, yeah, I definitely see something. It's, you know, measuring kind of small. Um, but let's look around and, you know, more time is passing. It feels like they're doing this ultrasound for two hours, even though mm -hmm. it probably wasn't even that long at all. And in the moment, you know, I'm thinking, oh my God, this is one of those situations. <laughs> yeah. And, and my thought process was, of course, this would happen to us. Like, you know, first medicated cycle, it works after a year of infertility and trying. And, and so uh, after what felt like 17 years mm -hmm. of this ultrasound, <laughs> um, our doctor was like, I wish I had better news for you guys. Um, but it looks like, you know, the baby stopped growing about a week ago and we don't have a heartbeat. And then my stomach dropped and we're just staring at her. And she, you know, the tech says, the doctor wants to see you in her office. Can you go speak to her? Because the doctor had left and said, let me check your ovulation dates again and we both I mean taking the trigger shot there's no question on what day you ovulated so measuring a week behind we knew mm -hmm. um and we get up and go to walk in her office and my legs felt like jelly and I was like I've never been in so much shock before it's an out-of-body experience my life um, and we sit down and, and, you know, you're sitting across the desk from the doctor and I'm like seeing her mouth move and hearing what she's saying, but it's still not really processing. Um, she told us we've had a missed miscarriage. So, um, you know, I've lost the baby, but my body hadn't realized it yet. So the miscarriage could take, you know, could start in a few days or it could take a few more weeks for things to kind of work their way out. Um, or she said there was medication options if we wanted to just get the process moving on our own. Um, or that um, she doesn't normally, you know, offer a recommended DNC as early as that was, but if it was something that I felt really passionately about or wanted to do, there was that option too, you know, giving us all the options of kind of how to proceed from where we were. And I, I just felt like I was just <laughs> staring at her. Me too, yeah. And I, like, like I said, I felt like it was an out-of-body experience for me, and I'll never forget looking at her, and then she took the ultrasound picture and kind of folded it, put it in our file, set it aside, you know, because the whole lead-up, I just imagined that moment of the doctor giving you the ultrasound picture, and you framing it, you know, on your desk or putting it on your fridge, and she put it away, and I remember I was just thinking, oh my gosh, it's like a scene in a movie where you're getting bad news from a doctor, except it's us yes. and it's real life. <laughs> and, you know, she looked at us both and said, you two are taking this remarkably well. And I remember that so clearly too, because yep. I thought when she said that, well, how, how else am I supposed to take this? And like my brain wasn't even letting me process this loss in this moment, because she said that. And I was thinking, well, I have to go back to work. Like I can't, 
I can't take this any other way than well right now. Like I have things to do today. Um, Cody needs to cut the grass. <laughs> uh, like my brain was just kind of trying to continue on as normal and was not letting this true, like I understood what was happening, but I was also just like, you know, life has, life is going on and, and I can't process this right now. And she said, you can try again and, you know, six to eight weeks and, you know, at least we know you're fertile, you know, um, trying to look at the bright side. And I remember I was asking questions and I guess in the yes, moment, you were like really conversative with yeah. her and asking all the things. And I felt like stone. And at this point I was like blinking back tears and he's just like Spanish inquisition over here. Um, trying to get all this information out of her. And I felt like I could barely process what was being said. And in the moment I didn't feel, it, it really was just shock. I mean, I didn't feel sad or like I was going to, yeah. you know, just bust out in tears or I didn't feel that overwhelming sense of just grief. I, it was just a shock and I was trying to digest it and I was still asking questions. And, um, you know, I remember she said, she kind of ended the conversation and kind of got up and showed us out and, um, you know, we walked out and I remember thinking when we walked out and I saw the waiting room full of, you know, women and couples thinking, you know, they probably have done five or six of these ultrasounds just this morning. Mm -hmm. And we were the one, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, so many couples have walked out of here this morning, happy, holding their ultrasound pictures, mm -hmm. hearing the heartbeat for the first time. Yes. And we were the couple that didn't. That's how I even felt just sitting at her desk. I was like, we're probably that one that has to sit in here <clears throat> and receive this news today. And also, do you remember, I remember looking off to the side because I started like blinking back tears and I didn't want to make eye contact with her. And on her bookshelf, she had this um, little like plush sperm and egg pillows. Yeah, stuffed animal. <laughs> and and I just stared at those. That and her saying you're handling this really well are really mostly the only things that I can clearly mm -hmm. remember from that office visit. And so then we get up to leave and you walk out by the nurse's station, like you said, and out into the waiting room. And I'm like, wow, we're those people, you know, walking out the office all like bleary eyed and everybody at the nurse's station sees you and you just kind of walk out the door. Um, and we got outside and I felt like I was like holding it, you know, together at that point And that, you know, my brain was just getting me through that office visit without just letting the realization of everything sink in. And at this point I was still so hyper-focused on, I have to go back to work. I have to go back to work. Um, but we walked out to this bench outside of the office and all of a sudden, like <laughs> viscerally and uncontrollably, I started sobbing. Yep. And it like, it caught me off guard. It scared me. I'm not a super like emotional, emotional gal. <laughs> so I was really caught off guard and like, I could not stop. Um, and it was like, not cute crying. It was like snotting all over the place, you know, like heaving. Ugh. Um, and it felt so heavy in that moment. And in that moment, it was like my brain and body had like caught up to what was going on. And then I finally looked at Cody and realized and said, I'm not going back to work today. Am I? And he said, no. 
Unfortunately, because we had drove separately, I then had to drive home a sobbing mess alone. Um, and I called my mom because I just wanted to talk to somebody. And I had, we hadn't even told her that I was pregnant. She knew that we were going through fertility treatments, but um, didn't kind of know, you know, like the specifics of anything. And she knew I had a doctor's appointment that day. She thought it was for fertility treatments because I just kept being really vague about things. And so she thought when she answered the phone and I was just like screaming and crying into the phone, she thought that they had told me, you know, like some bad health news like that I had cancer or something. And finally I was able to get it out. And, um, you know, she's, she's as shocked as I am. And I'm just driving down the road, sobbing and talking to her. Um, and then we get home and that whole day was weird too. It was. And, you know, we both talked about the options that the doctor gave us. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that afternoon, the, grief and sadness started coming in and I try to you know it's like an analogy of you know the dark storm clouds rolling in where you could kind of see them on the horizon when we we're at the hospital yeah but once we got home it was just us there by ourselves it was just us in and, our reality to yeah, sit and you I feel like that's when I really started feeling that grief and sadness um and in that next day I remember you telling me like I I can't just sit here and wait for weeks and, yes. or, you know, and wait for the, the miscarriage to naturally happen. Yeah. Well, the first, the first couple of days after I felt like kind of similar to our, by now we were pregnant, we were just processing that mm -hmm. this was happening or that this had happened and that, that it was over. Um, which is really the hard thing or was the hard thing for me to wrap my head around with a missed miscarriage too, was, you know, I'd, I'd never had any, indication that the pregnancy was over I had to find that out at our ultrasound and you know things were still kind of chugging along normally physically you know or so I thought um and so to just know that it's over but your body's just kind of doing its thing and the idea of just waiting this out for some unknown amount of time started to give me a lot of anxiety over those next few days as I started to accept that this had happened. I then started to think about, you know, options and um, what we should do. And as the days went on, it, it felt just so heavy to imagine just waiting, waiting it out. Um, especially because I started to feel like, well, you know, what if I'm at work and it, it starts happening or what if, you know, we're here and it starts happening or, um, you know, what if the pain's really bad and you're not at home? And I, I just, the, I felt so out of control of the whole, whole situation that I felt like, well, if I, you know, get a pres this prescription filled, um, for the misoprostol to help induce the miscarriage that um, I would at least have control over that and we could be at home and I could pass the baby at home and you know um, that seemed nicer and more respectful of the life than just mm -hmm. it, if we were if we could make a choice 
and have control we wanted it i guess that's yeah. what i'm trying to say um because you not everybody you know has that option um and so i think it was like two days after i ended up calling the doctor and said yeah you know i think i want the medication um because i just i just want to get this going i can't stand waiting and we were already grieving so much emotionally that i just felt like I want the physical part to be happening too, because that just feels like something we're going to be waiting on until it does. Like we can't fully have closure. Um, and so that Friday, that Friday, um, I took the misoprostol. It was like three o'clock in the afternoon. Um, we said, you know, we're just going to have a chill weekend and we'll just let this happen and we'll just be at home and be sad and it'll be fine. Um, so I took the medication and crawled into bed at like three o'clock in the afternoon. And then Cody, um, came in with me and we just laid in bed and watched, turn the office on, um, and waited for the miscarriage to happen. And after that <laughs> it took an absolute turn and things ended up in a huge mess okay. um because you know i felt really prepared well i felt somewhat prepared for the process nobody talks about this to begin with and we didn't really have any family members or you know anyone in our close circle that had um really been through this to kind of pull on that experience as far as what to expect but I had read and I knew you know the pain can be kind of like a heavy period cramping I expected a lot of bleeding that kind of thing so I, I didn't feel underprepared for what was about to happen and I feel like I have a pretty high pain threshold um and once the medicine kind of started to kick in maybe an hour-ish in you know it was exactly that. Um, I would say more so pain than a heavy period cramping pain. Um, it was a little bit height, more heightened than that, but it came and went and it was, you know, very manageable. Um, and we're just kind of laying in bed, scrolling Grubhub because we were going to get some food delivered or something mm -hmm. for dinner. And then I don't know, maybe like another hour passed, maybe two hours in. Yeah, it was like 4.30. Yeah, 4.30, because I remember the sun had kind of started to come down a little bit. And uh, all of a sudden, I felt like I needed to get up and go to the bathroom. I just felt like pressure. Um, and the cramping was kind of starting to ramp up a little bit and was getting a little bit more constant. And I was like, I, I think I just need to get up. And so... Cody helps me to get up and go to the bathroom and I sit down and I noticed that no bleeding had started, but um, almost immediately after the pain ramped up to a level that I, to this day, have a really hard time describing. I have never felt in my life more constant, excruciating, ungodly pain um, it, it felt like, a like if you were to make a fist, like a really, 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 really hard fist, it felt like that kind of muscle contraction, um, in my lower abdomen and it, it was constant. It was not coming and going. And at this point it was just there. 
um, my stomach felt hard as a rock. <laughs> and so I'm just sitting there on the toilet and felt like I couldn't move. And we're kind of, I'm just kind of trying to work through this. Cody is just sitting on the floor near me as this is happening. Um, and it, it just felt like it was getting more and more and more intense. And to the point that um, I started vomiting from the pain, which was a problem because they had given me pain medicine that I could take um, along with the miscarriage medicine. So I did take pain medicine when I took it, thinking that I would get ahead of it. But then I started vomiting and it was almost constant, like, I don't know, probably four times every 10 minutes at least. Easily. Um, Easily. And so I wasn't keeping the pain medicine down and the pain was so bad. Um, it got to a point then I was, so then I was just, I had gotten off the toilet and was just sitting on the floor um, and I kept like trying to manipulate my like back and lean back and um, like position myself so that I didn't have pressure on my stomach, like just trying anything to try to ease it and work through it. <laughs> it was so bad and nothing was helping. And then I was just constantly throwing up. And every time I threw up, you know, your stomach muscles contract and that was making it worse. Um, and there's a point that I just stopped talking. Yep. And I, I'm sitting there, you know, and I've never seen her in this kind of pain before. And, you know, you couldn't even say a complete sentence. It was just like moans Moaning. and groans. I couldn't not do. And I feel like, I felt like I was having this whole inner dialogue inside my head too, because I just couldn't speak. But the whole time I was giving myself like the pep talk of all pep talks, because especially with COVID, you know, I was at this point, especially with as bad as the pain was starting to get concerned that something was wrong. Um, but I thought I can't go to the ER because they're probably not going to let him in there. And I would rather just writhe on the floor in pain at home than go to a doctor and not have my husband with me through this awful process. Um, and, you know, I'm telling myself, okay, we're, we're going to get through this and we're going to start bleeding soon. And once we start bleeding, then, you know, things will kind of take over and it will progress and this pain will slow down and it's going to be fine. And I'm just like having this full out conversation with myself in my head. But meanwhile, I'm like pale and sweating Pouring and moaning. Sweat. Yeah. And I had like stripped all my clothes off at this mm -hmm. point. I mean, I was just, the pain took me for a ride. We'll say that. Um, and you turned to me and you said, I can't do this anymore. Eventually. Yes. And, and I remember thinking, and I said to you, no, you got it. You, you, can you do thought it. I was just kind of yep. saying that so that you could give me some encouragement yep. and you were trying to give me some and encouragement. And she said, no, I cannot do this anymore. You've got to take me to the ER. And I Google, I mean, we'd never been to the ER before. No, I, I, I'd never been to the ER before. And I Googled where the closest one was. And I said, we got one 15 minutes away. You know, it's in the same hospital system that um, you work at said okay and I picked you up somehow we made it down the stairs um, that was the longest walk of my life and before I got up to walk out because at this point I was still like maybe this is an overreaction you know I don't know if I should go to the ER for this maybe I'm being ridiculous but I checked again to see if I was bleeding before we left and it was just like 
barely any spotting. And I thought this process has like, I have so many hours ahead and this pain is not going to go away at this point. And, th and then I finally accepted that, okay, we, we have to go. I, I can't do this. Um, and then we, I had to will every fiber of my being to get off the floor and to get downstairs. Yep. And, uh, felt like the longest drive ever we were I felt like we hit every bump in the road on the drive to the ER and as we turned in and the, I had my big old trash bag that I was throwing yes. up in the hallway there too and as longest we, ride of my life as we turned into the ER I'll never another one of those moments um you know I turned in and it's sort of in a strip mall type area there was some restaurants yes. to the side and I remember and looking. you had rolled the window down for me yep and so we could hear too yep and I remember we were turning into the parking lot and we saw all these people in the outdoor seating and it was a beautiful afternoon and everybody was eating dinner on a Friday night you could just hear talking and chatter and fork clicking and, and I remember thinking what a contrast you know, these people having a Friday night date, having a good time, and we're here turning into the <laughs> ER having a miscarriage. I mean, it just did not feel – another moment where it didn't feel real. And we went in, and I went up to the front You had desk. to talk to – I could not speak. Yeah, Sarah He's couldn't just doing speak. And all the talking. When I said the words like, my wife is having a miscarriage, she's in excruciating pain, I remember saying those words and being like, I can't believe I'm saying these words. Like, I mean, it's like, and I remember thinking if this was a scene in a show or a movie, the viewer would be just, Oh, these poor people. I can't imagine. And, I, and we're living it. I mean, it was such a, this is us and our it reality. was such a surreal moment. Yeah. And then, you know, it was five minutes before they took you back and it felt like forever. forever. Uh, and, um, <laughs> Bless her, the nursing assistant or the, the tech that assisted us, um, kind of a nurse ratchet type. I won't say her name, but <laughs> um, I mean, she, she was sympathetic enough, but just very much like, all right, like, hurry up. She asked when we walked in, you know, like, oh, you need to get on the scale so we can weigh you. And I'm like, ma'am, I can barely walk. Like, I don't know that there's anything you need to do that requires my weight at this point. But I did what she said. And then we get in and settle into the room and she hands me a, um, you know, a little specimen cup and she's like, can you pee? And I said, no, <laughs> through moans. And at the end, I was carrying my little trash bag the whole walk to the scale and to the room and throwing up. And she's still asking me this. And I was just like, what? But I was still mm -hmm. so calm and everything. Um, and she drew some blood and started an IV and it was like asking me to pump my fist a thousand times. And she was taking a really long time and the whole time as I'm throwing up and moaning, but you know, in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, like still give myself a pep talk. Um, if you just keep your arms super, super straight, she's going to get this IV and they're going to be able to give us pain, pain medicine soon. And we're going to get things going. Like you just have to do exactly what they say so that, you know, this can stop. <laughs> Um, and so finally, um, we kind of get things going and I got pain medicine and it just melted away. Yep. You could finally, I, and it was as soon as I gave you the pain meds, you were able to talk in a complete sentence and, <laughs> you know, the doctor came in and was asking questions about everything. And, um, you know, 
the whole time. And that was kind of an out-of-body experience too for me, um, just because I am a nurse and I had never really been in this kind of situation or to the ER before. So just to be sitting there sharing my trauma with these people, I just kept thinking about so many instances where I've been kind of on the other side of that conversation. And that was just crazy. Um, but they said, yes, looks like you've, you know, had a, a miscarriage. Um, we'll do an ultrasound just to make sure everything is okay because of this amount of pain that you're having. Um, and so we did an ultrasound and they had you step out for that. Yep. Um, and you had started bleeding by that. And point. I had finally started bleeding by that point. And then it was like, Oh, here's the bleeding. Um, finally got to the point that I was able to go and pee for that um, sample that they wanted. And it just felt like things were falling out of me. <laughs> um, it was a mess everywhere. Got back to the room. I had, they had to put chuck pads under me because I was just bleeding so much through the stretcher. Anyways, um, got the ultrasound done, which was so painful because, um, you know, it's a transvaginal ultrasound and they're really in there moving and poking around and it just felt like it was igniting that pain with every movement. But I survived that <laughs> and um, the doctor came back in and thankfully said that everything looked okay, that, um, you know, it was, I was progressing okay and that everything was normal, but that I had a little bit of pregnancy tissue stuck in my cervix, which may have been contributing to the pain. And um, he said that they could remove it for me, which can help with the pain and the bleeding ongoing. So I said, cool, sign me up. And I'm sitting there and you had finally gotten back to the room, staring at the ceiling as this doctor is pulling our pregnancy out of me with these yep. forceps and you know blood everywhere and I, it's just and I just was like how is this our life how is this actually happening right now and you know people always would say miscarriage in a whisper and you would sort of hear about it and nobody ever talked about it and nobody obviously ever talks about the you know the awful details of it and how terrible it is and that's one of those moments where you all the happiness and joy that you got from that positive pregnancy test and the journey it took for us to become pregnant. And here you are in an ER as a doctor takes the pregnancy tissue out and there's blood everywhere and pain. And all of that boiled down to just that one moment yep. that felt so clinical and sterile and just, and that was just it. Yep. And I, I just felt gross. <laughs> um, so every, uh, thankfully, you know, we, I wasn't having any complications and everything was fine. And I was finally pain free. Um, and I was discharged from the ER and we went and got these, cause at this point it was almost like one o'clock in the morning yep. and we got these massive hamburgers from Wendy's yep. <laughs> um, and that was the best hamburger of my life. But then after all of that, we kind of had to, you know, deal with the after effects and really start to process what had happened and the the days after well the immediate day after the ER visit we felt fan freaking tastic because 
the physical pain of the previous day and just the pain and the trauma of actually having to go to and through the ER for me and probably watching it all for Uh you, right, um, was so big that now that that was behind us and I was feeling, you know, sore, but okay, it felt like we had really accomplished something. Mm -hmm. And I think we were just like on an endorphin high or something. And that Saturday and Sunday, I mean, I I felt like it was pretty good days. Yeah. You know, at least for me, that Monday I woke up to, and I'm still working from home. So I woke up and you had gone to work that day Mm -hmm. and I walked down the stairs and that's when I felt the grief and sadness really hit me. And we have said before, you know, I've had grandparent die, you know, family members die where you feel sadness, but I truly feel like losing your baby. I mean, it's like a, like, I felt like I never knew what grief was until we experienced this because I've walked down those stairs. Our dogs are standing there waiting for me. And I remember I just, walked to the couch and lay down and just broke down crying. And it was the first time that I really broke down. And I remember thinking, Oh my God, this is the darkest feeling of overwhelming grief and sadness I've ever felt in my life. I, mm-hmm. It's hard to even put it into words. And I'm sure a lot of the listeners can understand it too. And you hear about miscarriages from people and you think, Oh, that's so terrible. Oh my gosh, you lost a baby at seven, eight, nine weeks. But unless you experience it, you have no, that, just deep sadness is just overwhelming. And that's when it really hit us. I feel like those few days after. Yes. Because after the effects of feeling like we had, we had gotten over it because the physical part had finally started and we had gotten past the ER visit kind of settled away. I just, it was all replaced quickly with this like overwhelming veil of sadness. And I had just never, like you said, you said that really well, felt grief to that level before. It was, it was almost like a veil had been lifted and these deep, dark emotions that I never, or maybe had just heard about, Mm -hmm. um, knew existed, but just heard about, but now I could fully like feel and it just felt like knives. Mm -hmm. I cried for days and days and days and the there was just so many different stages to that grief because some days I felt so sad and so paralyzed. Some days I feel like we felt so angry. Some days we were telling really morbid jokes to get through, you know, and, and it wasn't all just one feeling for one day, you know, moments sneak up out of nowhere. It's very complex. And I, best way to explain it is just, you know, it's almost like the tide coming in and out on the beach where there would be days when it was just overwhelming. Mm -hmm. And then there would be days when I felt, okay, I feel a little bit better. It's getting better. And then the next day, it, the, that overwhelming sadness and grief would be back. It's, you know, it's so complex. And I feel like people that have gone through this can understand that, Mm -hmm. that there's no one way to process this or to feel or to feel. And I think part of it too, was just, I felt so taken off guard. First of all, with my experience with my miscarriage, um, physically, you know, like I said, I thought I had kind of an understanding of what was going to happen. And that experience was completely different. And then also I felt so taken off guard by my emotions because 
given our struggle, I felt like we were really prepared for this possibility that this could happen. And I mean, we had talked about it for weeks too, while I was pregnant, you know, we were well aware of it, that we could leave that appointment and, and with bad news felt well prepared for it. But until it happens to you, it's like the depth of that, um, the grief of that event does not fully sink in until it has actually happened, which I guess is maybe our brains protecting us from the truth of that, unless we have to actually go through it. But it, it opened us both up. So emotionally raw, I feel like it it strips you down. And I feel like what really helped us was, and it sounds so cliche, but just leaning into each other, having those, you know, tough conversations, you know, telling each other about those awful feelings you're feeling. And at least for me as the guy understanding that the emotional pain that I was feeling, you know, is multiplied for you in addition to the physical pain mm-hmm. and understanding that it's just, it's not the same, even though I, you know, do my best to understand it. And, you know, it, it really, it's really not comparable, but I think it's helpful to be honest about that and be honest about your feelings. And I think that really helped us is just really leaning into each other to get through it. Yes. And, you know, I feel like, I felt like we were good, we're good communicators in our relationship Mm -hmm. before. And it's not like there was ever anything really off the table, but this process just made us so unabashedly able to just be really (laughs) blunt with how we're feeling kind of like you said. Mm -hmm. And there were days too, where I was still cramping days after the miscarriage or I would feel things that were similar to when I was pregnant or it took a really long time for like my boob soreness to go away and for me to not feel pregnant after the pregnancy had ended and that was extremely difficult for me and there were days that I felt you know really distanced from you just because I knew I was experiencing something all on my own alone Mm -hmm. but just knowing to voice those feelings and not, and that I didn't have to carry it alone was everything. And, and I think just taking those cues from each other and leaning into each other and allowing ourselves to be sad and mad and happy and angry and distant, you know, yep. I mean, it and was everything and just understanding that we're not going to always grieve the same way too. Yep. And I, I remember turning to you and saying, you know, and cause you know, we'd love to travel. Um, and, you know, I said, it's easy to love somebody big on a beach in Greece or in Paris (laughs) in the Eiffel Tower. Like that's easy. But when you're in the bathroom in excruciating pain, going through a miscarriage, that's when your wedding vows, you really, um, you know, earn your stripes. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I think it's all about, you know, people always love to say everything happens for a reason. It's God's plan. I think it's how you respond to these awful moments you know, are you going to make it strong? You know, is it, are you going to come out of it stronger? It's all about how you respond to it. And it's a choice to make that, have that response. Absolutely. Every day and choose you, even through this mucky, shitty hand we've been dealt. Exactly. So, so that was kind of, yeah, I think that's the best big mm-hmm. advice that we have and just allowing yourself to feel all the feels. Exactly. And, you know, that's our story. Feels great to, you know, be able to talk about it. <laughs> you guys are so cool. <laughs> I, 
I love you guys. Like you're adorable. And I just love that you both jumped on here and did this. I, it's going to be so helpful for so many people and it's going to be a great episode for people to listen to with their partners, I think. So I want to thank you for both feeling the pull to come on and share your story. I wish you the best of luck moving forward as well. And then if somebody wants to reach out to you guys, where could they do so? Um, so your Instagram is Cody Joe 91. I always forget. I changed my handle once and then I have to remember what my Instagram (laughs) handle is called. Oh, um, (laughs) I am at Sarah Rogers Johnson. Awesome. I'll link both of you guys in the description of this episode as well. So it's nice and easy for people to find you and any husbands want to reach out to yeah absolutely really cool so all right well thank you guys so much i appreciate you more than you know i just thanks for having us this was really big for us (laughs) it was good to talk about (laughs) yeah it's so cool i like i said i love you guys i think i want to (laughs) hang out with you guys so (laughs) let's do it man zoom happy hour do it oh my gosh all right well i will talk to you soon okay thank you thank you thank you so much for listening if you enjoyed this episode make sure you share it with a friend who could find it useful or share it on your instagram stories tag myself tag my guest so that we can personally thank you this is a lamb fam you guys we're not in this alone we're creating this ripple effect together